Revelation 17, 14 says that the Lamb who was slain is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Colossians 1 says that Jesus is supreme over all creation, that he holds everything together, and that he is first in everything. How you see Jesus impacts how you see everything else. I'm not here to give you five ways to be a new you in the new year. My challenge is really simple today. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. See him for who he is. He's not your advisor. He's not your life coach. He's not your get out of hell card or your cheerleader. He's not your genie in a bottle. He is your king. He is your king. As you think about a new year, are your goals focused on building the life you want or the life that God intended for you to live? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 say, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Life is not what you make it. Life is not about your happiness. Life is a race marked out for you by God himself. And if you see Jesus, if your view of Jesus is inaccurate or if it is skewed, how you see everything else in life will be distorted. Hebrews 12 opens with the word, therefore which tells us that chapter 12 is connected to chapter 11. And in the previous chapter, the writer gave us this list of men and women who ran their race with perseverance in spite of trials, in spite of suffering. And he opens chapter 12 saying, since we have so many examples of faith, then we can run the race that God has given us to run. If they did it, we can do it. And verse 1 says, we have a race to run, so let us throw off everything that hinders Another translation says, throw off every weight. Athletes who want to win get rid of anything that would slow them down so that they can run their best race. You've seen runners. They run with barely anything on because they want to be as fast as possible, have as much endurance as possible. And there are a lot of things in life that can hinder us. And just because something hinders us doesn't necessarily mean it's sin. In a moment, he's going to deal with sin. But right now, he's talking about the weights, the things that slow us down. A weight can be something neutral that gets too much of our attention. A weight can be something good that we have allowed to become too important. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. The Apostle Paul was writing this to the Christians in Corinth, and he's quoting a phrase that they probably used often uh, because they had newfound freedom in Christ, and they would say, I have the right to do anything. If Scripture didn't clearly forbid it, they felt they had the right to do it. And the culture of their day told them that if you want it, if you're craving it, then you deserve it. You have a right to have it. And there are some gray areas in Scripture, but just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do something. Because cravings carry the risk of becoming weights that slow us down. 
Cravings run the risk of becoming weights that slow us down. Weights can be relationships that keep you from doing what God's called you to do. It can be a lifestyle that you think you deserve, a hobby, social media, technology. Maybe it's a full schedule. You've said yes to so many good things that you can't say best, good, yes to the best things that God has for you. We have to get rid of the things that hinder us. And then the writer says that we need to get rid of the sin that trips you up. Weights will slow you down. Sin will take you out. James 1.15 says, when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. There's one outcome if we continue to live in sin. James 1.15 tells us right there. But here's what we do. We categorize our sin. Well, my sin's not as bad as someone else's sin. I mean, this is just a little bit of a lie. It's not murder. Or we compare our sin. I mean, look at that person over there. Look at what they're doing. I'm not as bad as that person. My sin's so small, it's not big. There are sins that are obvious, but there are sins that we don't even see sometimes. Or we, we think that we're managing them and no one knows. But James 1.15 is very clear about what happens when we don't deal with our sin. Maybe it's an addiction. And a lot of times we have an addiction that we hide. We think no one knows. We think that on the outside my life looks fine. Nobody knows that I'm dealing with this. Maybe it's gradual. It starts out small, and we continue to let it grow and spread, and, and it, it devastates our life. And you're so busy managing that sin that you don't see how it's affecting those around you. Maybe it's bitterness and unforgiveness. I have tried to run my race with bitterness and unforgiveness, and it's like shackles on your feet. You cannot move forward if you are living in unforgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says to forgive each other as Christ has forgiven us. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It is an imperative. Pride. Pride. You know what? This is probably the most devastating because we never see it in ourselves. But God's word is clear. Pride is destructive. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We have to strip off every weight and the sin that trips us up. And it says to run with endurance the race that God has set before you. You have your race to run. I have my race to run. I can't run yours. You can't run mine. We can't run the race we want to win. I'm run. Have you, have you ever done that? Like, I want to run somebody else's race, or this is the race that I really want to run, but that's not the course that God has set out for you. And I love this next phrase, and this is the point that I want to drive home today. It says, we do this by fixing our eyes on Jesus. How do we run this race? How do we stay focused? How do we stay in our lane and run the course that God has set before us? We do it by fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. How you see Jesus impacts how you see everything else. In the Amplified Version, it says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. Looking away from the things that distract us and focusing on him. Have you noticed that you drift toward whatever it is you're looking at? Have you, have you ever been in the car with someone who's driving and they're focused on something besides the road, and, and the car starts drifting that way. My husband does that, but he, I won't um, say anything. 
It's kind of scary, isn't it? But we do that in life. We take our eyes off of Jesus, and we're going to start drifting toward wherever it is we're focusing. This verse says that Jesus is the pioneer of our faith, and I love the image in the original language. It is the idea of someone who has gone before and cut a path for you to follow. Someone who has gone before and cut a path for us to follow. Live long enough, and you know that we're not running this race on a nice paved um, track, smooth, level ground. We're not running this race. We are running through uncharted terrain with hills and valleys, potholes and danger. My girls ran cross-country in middle school and elementary school, and when they signed up, they thought they were signing up for track. There's a big difference between track and cross-country. We're not running track. We're running cross-country. And thankfully, Jesus has gone before us, and he has cut a path for us to follow if we'll keep our eyes on him. 1 Peter 5.8 says that our enemy, our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. And taking our eyes off of Jesus leaves us vulnerable to being ambushed. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. The image behind this verse is that of having your legs knocked out from under you. You didn't see it coming. You got distracted, and the next thing you know, you're on the ground, you're broken, and you're bleeding because you took your eyes off of Jesus. We have to keep our eyes on the one who's going before us. He's cutting a path for us to follow. He knows what we're going to face. He's gone before us. He's already made a way. Isaiah 43, 19, God promises that he will make a way in the wilderness, and he will provide streams in the desert if we keep our eyes on him. In 1 Timothy 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy, and he tells him to train himself for godliness. Train yourself to be spiritually fit. Runners who finish well train themselves so they can run their best race. There are spiritual disciplines that God has given us for us to train ourselves to run our race well. One of them is prayer. Prayer is talking to God. It's simple. It's talking to God. Do you talk to God every day? Not do you talk about God or listen to someone else talk about God, but do you talk to God every day? Bible study. Do you get into God's Word consistently? Do you study it for yourself, not regurgitating what you heard someone else say? Getting into God's Word for yourself. This Bible was my dad's, and I bring it up here with me every time I teach as a reminder that that is the most important truth. That is the most important thing I can say to you today. And the images I have of my dad are him reading this book, sitting on our porch, reading this book for hours, sitting in his recliner, reading that book for hours as a reminder, as a habit to be in God's word daily, personal worship. Do you set aside time just to bask in God's glory, to think about how amazing he is? Turn on some worship music, sit in nature, whatever reminds you of God's greatness and spend time worshiping him. Serving. Do you use your gifts to serve God and his people? Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12 all tell us God has given us gifts to build up the body of Christ, to build up his church. Stewardship. 
putting God first in your life, putting him first in your finances, investing consistently in his church. Because the more we grow in generosity, the more uh, we will not give in to materialism. The more generous we become, the less we care about the things of this world. Community. Do you have relationships with other believers who are investing in you, pouring into you, and you're doing that for them? It's not about being in community to find your BFF. It is about being in community to one another each other, to encourage, to care for, to hold each other accountable. Instead of sitting back and saying, well, nobody's doing that for me, ask yourself, am I doing that for someone else? Investing in each other. Daryl has a gym in our garage. And he has cardio equipment, and he has um, dumbbells and free weights and things that I don't even know what they are. You notice I say that he uses that equipment. It's his gym. My motto is First, uh, first Timothy 4.8. It says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. So I don't do much physical training. He has a routine that he follows to ensure that he works out, uh, gets a complete workout, and, and if there's a part of his body or a part of his routine that he misses working out, then there's a part of his body that's not going to be cared for. And so we look at these spiritual disciplines, and we want to we make it like a, a multiple choice. Well, I enjoy worship, and I enjoy prayer, but I'm not so keen on stewardship and serving. And, and we, it's not multiple choice. Each one of these work together to make us whole and healthy spiritually. And if we leave out any of them, there's a part of our soul that is going to be uncared for. And this is not a checklist to make you feel guilty. This is not something to make you feel overwhelmed. The Holy Spirit gives us what we need to live out the race and run the race that God has given us. It's not about doing it in your strength. It's not about trying. It's about training. Because if I leave here today and say, I'm just going to try harder to be a better Christian, you're setting yourself up for for defeat. It's about training. It is about disciplining ourselves to do these things. And the supernatural part of it is as we are obedient to train ourselves, the Holy Spirit does this amazing thing within us and we get stronger. We have more endurance. We have more perseverance. We have more strength that comes from him. It's not about trying. It's about training. It's about being a part of the church where we want to help you do these things. We have growth track kicking off next Sunday. These are learning environments where we get into God's word together. It's, it's a lot more fun to run this race together. God never desi- des- uh, designed us to run it alone. We need each other. We get into God's word together. You can sign up today. Stop at Next Steps. Give us your information. We'll send you the link. You don't want to miss out on opportunities to grow in your faith and to grow together. Uh, we have groups. We'll be kicking off groups at the beginning of February. And that is a chance to get into to circles and get into groups with people who will encourage you. And again, you can encourage them. Community, relationships, it's so important. It's not about trying, it's about training. We train ourselves, we fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the founder and the pioneer of our faith. He started the work in us. He will sustain it and he will finish it. You know, in our social media influencer, celebrity culture, we like to fix our eyes on people. People we admire, people we look up to. But here's the problem with that. People can inspire you, but they can't empower you. Only Jesus can do that. So be careful who you fix your eyes on. And the reality is we're human, we're broken. People are going to let you down. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And none of us are going to run this race perfectly. We will mess up. We will get ambushed. If this happens to you, you're not disqualified. 
hear me, you are not disqualified. Proverbs 24, 16 says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Winning isn't never falling. Winning is getting back up and staying in the race. You know what qualifies you for this race? Repentance. Repentance is the great qualifier, not perfection. When you realize that you have taken your eyes off of Jesus, you have to own it. You can't make excuses. You can't blame anyone else. You can't be the victim. You have to humble yourself. And you have to repent and then get back in the race and keep your eyes fixed on him. And that is the beauty of grace. Acts 20 verse 24 says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. What if that became our motivation for this year? To run the race and finish the task that God has given us. My only goal, my only resolution is to fix my eyes on Jesus and run the race that he has given me to run. The Friday before Christmas, I got a phone call. That my niece, 37 years old, lay down to take a nap, and she woke up in the presence of Jesus. She struggled for many years with an autoimmune disease that attacked her lungs. She struggled with her health. She lived most of her life confined to her home because her immune system was depleted. But over the last few weeks, they had started to change some of her medications and and wean down some of the ones that were causing more problems, and she was actually feeling better. We thought she was improving. And so when we got that phone call, we were shocked. And here's the thing. Her race is not one that any of us would sign up for. We wouldn't sign up for chronic illness and fatigue, no energy and not being able to interact with your son the way you want and to to see everybody else enjoying life and you're stuck at home and you just feel terrible. My sister shared with me that as they were planning her memorial service, her son, 12 years old, told them her favorite verse, her favorite scripture was Psalm 91 brought him her Bible, and and you could tell it had been studied, it had been read. She'd spent time with Jesus. Her race wasn't run in the public eye. Her race wasn't run from a platform. But her son watched her race, her husband, her family, her friends watched her run her race. And We would text, and and I would check in on her, and I would tell her that her perseverance inspired me. Because I know I probably would have given up after so many years of sickness. And the last time we had a text conversation, I told her this, and she said, don't admire me. I have no strength. I have no perseverance. It's Jesus. She said, oh, I struggle often with why me and how long. But I have no doubt in my mind, when she closed her eyes for that nap and she woke up in the presence of Jesus, she heard, well done. Well done. See, sometimes we end up in a race that we didn't sign up for. We end up running a race that we didn't want. 
But God says, this is the race that I've marked out for you. And I'm going to use it for my glory. Second Timothy 4 verse 7 says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. You know, as the Apostle Paul was writing those words, he was looking at execution. And he knew his time on earth was not long, and, and he knew that there was coming a moment very soon that he would stand before God and receive a reward for how he ran his race. And you know what he's telling us here? Faithfulness wins. Not the most glamorous, not the most successful by the world standards. Faithfulness wins the race. We make goals, we, we set resolutions, and we have this outcome in mind. We have this certain prize that we're wanting to obtain, whether it's financial stability, success, physical health. And none of those are bad. They're just not the ultimate prize. This verse says that if we remain faithful, we will receive this victor's crown. That when we cross the finish line, we will receive the victor's crown. And in that crown, that trophy isn't even the ultimate prize. Jesus is the ultimate prize. Because when we see him face to face, we are going to be so overwhelmed with such a desire to worship him that we're going to want to present something to him. And we're going to lay that crown at his feet and just say, Jesus, we wouldn't have made it without you. So I don't know what prize you have your eye on. But I can tell you that nothing compares to Jesus. Nothing compares to Jesus. And I don't know what this next year holds for you. I don't know what it holds for me, but I do know this. He is going before us, and he is making a way. And how you see him impacts how you see everything else. How you see Jesus impacts how you see your life, your relationships, your career, everything. So I want to close today with some questions. What has distracted you? What has caused you to take your eyes off of Jesus? What's slowing you down? What is hindering you from running the race that God set for you? Is there a sin that's tripping you up? Is there something that has you distracted? And it may not seem like a big deal now. But don't forget James 1.15. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. What disciplines do you need to commit to? How, how can you commit to training yourself for godliness in this new year so that when we get to January 1st, 2024, you can look back and say, God, help me through this year. God did this in my life. I grew, I grew closer to Jesus because of these things. If your perception of Jesus is off, then how you see everything else will be distorted. But when you see him as your king, when you see him as the only one worthy of your complete devotion, your complete commitment, surrender, everything else in life becomes clear. Oh, it may not be clear right now, but if you will follow him closely, it will be clear with every step that you take. And so I want to close today by praying for all of us. That as we walk through this year and we come to the end of this year, we'll look up and we'll see that we're closer to Jesus than we were today, January 1st, 2023. God, I just want to pause in this moment. 
And I am just so grateful for your presence, for your power. You haven't left us here alone. You've given us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to teach us, to comfort us. And Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to do what only you can do, and that is teach us what we need to hear. Remind us of truth and give us the strength as we walk out of these doors to be obedient to you. Because our greatest desire is to cross that finish line one day. To look you in the eyes. To see you face to face. And hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Nothing else matters. God, fill us with your spirit. Give us eyes to see you. Keep our eyes fixed on you. God, if there's anyone in this room who doesn't know you, my prayer today is that they have seen Jesus in a new way, that they're drawn to him, that they know that that making it through life without him is a struggle and in eternity. It's complete separation from you. Draw them to yourself today. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray.